You're tuned in to the Bruh's Bookshelf Podcast, where we read the books and let the content drive the discussion. Listener discretion is advised. It's not the movement of the clock that produces the newness of life. It is the movement in your mind. This is my time. Truth of the matter is everybody in here is going through a change. You don't have to be ashamed of yours. We are all in the process of transforming a higher, better expression of myself. Let this be the year that I birth a higher, better expression of myself. Don't let the habits of my past stop me from this metamorphosis. New year, new me. New year, new me. You just left the mirror completing your self-evaluation. You wasn't a fan. You didn't like what you saw. You've gotten pudgy. And your life is not advancing at the rate you envisioned. But you know this. You listened to all the motivational speeches. You prayed. Meditated. But it's just not working the way you imagined. Too many things keep getting in the way of you reaching your goal. What do you do How do you solve this? James Clear has architected a step-by-step solution to improve just 1% every day to help you achieve remarkable results. The Bruh's Bookshelf presents to you James Clear's number one New York Times bestseller, Atomic Habits. Welcome to another podcast episode of the Girls Bookshelf with your host, Lennon Givens. I'm joined with my beautiful wife, Dr. Teresa Givens. Hello. What's up, Teresa? Hello, everyone. <laughs> my bad. <laughs> Teresa don't be about that bullshit, Brad. <laughs> <laughs> Not, never. Not ever. Not even like for five seconds. Listen, she nope. quits school because of recess. <laughs> you know, I used to say that. That was one of my phrases, Donovan. Because <laughs> they play too damn much. Uh, <laughs> I can. I bet it was. I well, bet it still is. Let me introduce my line brother, Donovan. That's already talking off the 2001 line to Deuce Dog. What's going on? And then we have the smooth, silky, baritone voice of Dr. Harvey. Hinton, the third. <laughs> Dog, listen, um, Donovan, have you ever heard um the phrase "get it out the mud"? 
Yeah. All right. So if if getting it out the mud was a person, mm-hmm. hold on, hold on, Teresa, Teresa, have you ever heard the phrase um, "started from the bottom, now we here"? I do listen to rap. Okay, okay, okay. So if that was a person, wait a minute. Okay, hold on, um, <laughs> Lenny, Lenny. The book we reading tonight, the book we reading tonight, Atomic Habits. If that was a person, listen, the brother who we got tonight. He personifies all that. Listen, <laughs> the general manager, man. Come on, man. The general manager of the Detroit Lions. Come on, man. Brad Holmes. <laughs> <laughs> it don't get no better than that, man. Hey, listen. Ain't nothing else to say, man. That's who, that, It speaks for itself, man. We got the general manager of the Detroit Lions. We got Brad Holmes tonight, y'all. Appreciate you having me, man. Appreciate it. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having me. <laughs> hey, hey, man, crowd glad. noise. I like it. Yeah, yeah, man. We're glad that you can make it. Yeah, no, I, I appreciate y'all having me, man. This is uh I'm 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 excited, man. I was uh well I know we'll we'll get into the book, but I had some parts of the book that had me excited just driving home from work, you know, about to dive into this, man. But appreciate y'all having me. Cool, cool. Hey, uh Harvey. What made you what made you pick this book? Bro, I gotta put Teresa on this one, dog. You picked this book. Oh, I picked this book. <laughs> Bro, I'm always forgetting that I be picking these books. <laughs> My <you're> bad. <laughs> How do y'all come up with your book? All right. I that's a great question, Brad. I'm glad you asked that question. We come up with our books based off feeling, and we all we all get an opportunity to pick a book. But Oh, okay. But I think sometimes I trump everybody and say, this is what we're going to read this time. Perception I, is everything. Yeah. I, I I try to have some equity on the podcast and be like, hey, you guys pick your books. But Donovan picked the last book, which was, by the way, which was a great book, Parable of the Sower by Octavia Butler. It's a okay. futuristic uh, science fiction Earth book. Earthseed. <laughs> but uh, this book I had written up on my board. I have a uh, like a goals board and mm-hmm. a to do list board in my little office, my workspace. Yeah. And I had written this book down back in December, the beginning of December. One of the books that I wanted to read, and um, I don't know how it jumped, it skipped the the list. But you know, because you skipped the list. Oh, because I skipped the list. Yeah. So we're here now. And uh, and hey, man, it brought you to the podcast, so I'm I'm grateful for that. Man, it's crazy how it works, man. Because we was, gosh, man, we was on a group chat, man, and Harv just sometimes he'll just spit out some books. He's like, man, we about to do this on the podcast, about to do this on, and I don't I don't get a chance to check it that much, and it just so happened that I checked the group chat at some point today. I had a little bit of time, and then I said Atomic Habits, and then I. I was like, man, nah, that's one of my favorites. And then that's when Hall just kind of just jumped it off just from there. It was just like, man, what you know about that? And I said, man, that's and so I had these notes and all this. And then I just left it at that. And then that's when Hall extended the invite, man. I said, man, absolutely. Brad, this is cool, man. I've never been on a, a a podcast about books, man. This is this is super cool, man. Brad, the part that, that Lenny left out though is Lenny Lenny be always trying to come at me in certain kind of ways. And so as we talk about the books that we pick, you know, 
he was we was on some you know we got to get better kind of stuff you know and 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 you know we we used the books to kind of help us with that too mm-hmm. you know and so you know when donovan picked parable of the sword that was to get us away from this foolishness that we been dealing with you know get us into another state of mind think about something you know mm-hmm. i like we do with some comedy um, but this one, I think Lenny sometimes be throwing jabs, man. So, you know, we on some self-help <laughs> stuff and, um, you know, <laughs> no, I don't. You trying to throw a hint. Nah. Nah. So. <laughs> but I can tell you this. You, I can throw a hint just by having this book review podcast, because the more we read non, I mean, the more we read fiction books, yeah. From the author's perspective, it gives you insight from somebody's point of view. Mm-hmm. And it might be a point of view that you never seen it before or never experienced before. So when you do that, you you grow internally and you become a, a whole person with every book and with every point of view that you see the world through. So and I'm trying to get Harvey a little bit more re- well rounded. Uh, Harvey was pigeon to- uh, pigeonholed, <laughs> and so we're we trying to get him out of that that pigeonhole. Listen, <laughs> let's go, man. Let's go before I start talking crazy about this book, right? <laughs> James Clear and this foolishness. Come on, I like Rick Ross' book way better. To be honest with you, <laughs> wow. If you ain't listened to Eric Ross podcast, it's a better day to boss up. <laughs> don't don't do that, Brad. <laughs> listen, I need you to talk more than Harvey. <laughs> I need you to talk, Brad. From your experience and you getting it out of the mud from the coming from the bottom, now you here as a general manager of a NFL team. What is it about this book that spoke to you that made you get really excited when Harvey said this is the one that we're reading? Man, so I, I asked, that's a great question because, you know, I actually got it a little bit later in my in my journey and, and really just just the whole journey of really reading a lot of books and getting really fascinated with books. I, I kind of got and it was well after college. And so, um, you know, when the book come out, when I, I used to work for the Los Angeles Rams before I got with the Lions. And so the GM there, he's the one uh, less need. He turned me on to Atomic. He just mentioned it. And then I just went ahead and I, I, I dove into it and it just hit me. And I was actually driving, scouting on the road. You know, um, I, think I was driving through North Carolina, actually. And I was just listening to the book, driving, and it was just hitting me like, man. And it was just kind of because I was trying to find, like you said, just self-improvement, trying to better myself, trying to make things a little bit, you know, build better habits, break some some bad ones. And it was just so many powerful takes of things that seem relatively simple. But at the same time, what hit me about this book is that I was still taking, I was taking a fascination of how the brain works. And I was reading a lot on like psychology and social psychology and so then when uh, when I found out how much habits tie into just how your brain works, that's when it all kind of came together. But it did propel me in a lot of different areas in my life to, I think, help me take some better steps. Brad, before we move any further, could you give us a little background about yourself? Yeah. Um, so I, I try to give the 
uh, quickest version. It was a long road, but uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm I was raised I was raised in Tampa, Florida, and um, you know had um, had both my parents. My dad played in the NFL for a short stint, and my mom has been in the education field um, for you know she just retired for about 35 years. And then, um, you know, I, I went to North Carolina A&T on a football scholarship, and that, that's when I met. Aggie Pride? Yeah, Aggie Pride. <laughs> so then, we, uh, so me and Harv, you know, we were uh, we were teammates. He was he was, uh, you know, a couple years before I came, but that's kind of how how we kicked it off. But obviously, you know, went through college, played ball, won a championship, had a great experience. But then. When I got out of college, that you know, I was trying to figure out what to do. And, and uh, obviously, I wasn't good enough to play in the NFL, but I knew I wanted to stay around the game. So I was trying to get into scouting. I couldn't get in. Got a bunch of no's. Was trying to get internships. Every team in the league, they just told me no, no, no. Then that's when I had to go back home. You know, I was working at Enterprise, running cars, just renting cars. And then I got an internship with the – Atlanta Hawks and public relations because that's what my degree was in. So um, I just did a media relations internship with the Atlanta Hawks. Then that year, I met the PR director with the St. Louis Rams at the time because the NBA All-Star game was in town that, that year in Atlanta. And so I met him, and then my boss was a good, good brother, Arthur Trish, with the Hawks, and he introduced me to Dwayne Lewis. And then so I got an internship with the Rams um, a year later. That was in 2003. And I was still – it was in public relations, but I was like, at least I get my foot in the door. And then I kind of struck up a good relationship with our running backs coach, Wilbur Montgomery, good uh, – great running back for the Philadelphia Eagles back in the day. And then he knew another former teammate of mine, Troy Pelshack, that played at A&T – that was playing for the Rams. He said, oh, man, you know Pelish? I said, yeah, we play, we play together. And so we just kind of struck up a relationship, and we're talking ball all the time. And he was like, man, why are you in scouting? I mean, why are you not in scouting? Why are you in PR? And I just said, man, I can't get in. And he said, look, man, I'm going to introduce you to the GM. You know, I think you're going you're gonna to have an opportunity. And so he introduced me, um, and then kind of the, the, the rest is history. But it, it was a long road, you know, because back in at that time, you know, Everybody that was kind of uh, intern or scouting assistant had a had a strong connection. Either you know, their uncle was like a president, or their dad played for the GM, and I didn't have anything. I was just like, "Look, this is just me. Just give me opportunity." But um, you know, I got, got the opportunity and just took it around with it, and the rest has been history. Uh, being a PR, uh, almost like a PR intern. I know they wasn't paying you a lot, so I'm pretty sure it was a huge sacrifice to travel and trying to find a place to live. And was it 2020 and, stuff you used to talk about, Brad? Yeah. <laughs> so talk about that. Talk about the finance. Did you have a family then? Were you dating? No. How, so, how, how were you um, able to balance that? That's a great question, man. <laughs> so starting even with, I even started in, in Atlanta. So I was studying, I was working at Enterprise Rental Car down in Tampa, Florida. My mama gave me the one of those, man, you ain't got no job, so you got to bring your butt home, you know, and just get a job. So when I got an internship in Atlanta, I had saved enough money, but then Enterprise let me work part-time at the airport. So 
the cool thing about working with the Hawks is that it was a senior center, so they gave you a free MARTA pass. And so I lived all the way up north in North in Norcross. So I take the MARTA down to the CNN building, work my eight to five, and then I get off and I take the MARTA straight down south to the airport. And then I just rent cars till about, you know, 11, 12 o'clock and then take it back up. And that's how I kind of had to supplement my income because I can't remember. I was making maybe eight, eight bucks an hour or something. And you can only work 40 hours a week. And I'm trying to survive on my own. But then when I got the opportunity for the internship in St. Louis, I just packed my car up. I didn't have any family. I was single, didn't have any kids and um, found a little uh, efficiency. And I was just getting a monthly stipend at the time. I think it was maybe I was getting a thousand bucks a month for a stipend. And so I was able to find a, you know, a little cheap efficiency apartment and I just had to kind of just get it, get it how I live. You know, I mean, you know, I, the good thing is you can eat for free a lot. You know, when you're in the NFL, you know, they cater food to the facility. So that was able to take care of. But um, you just had to just grind and hustle, man, and just kind of just do do without and, and make some sacrifices. But um, I used to talk to my dad a lot because even when you get into the NFL and you get hired full time, they still start you off very, very low from a salary standpoint. And I used to tell my pops, man, like, man, I'm not making any money. He, my pops used to always tell me like, don't worry about the money. Don't worry about it. It'll come, it'll come. Just worry about being the best. And um, that was the best advice that I got because, you know, it, it definitely came, but you know, it, it was a while because in the NFL, everybody wants to, to do it and everybody wants to work in it. So it's like, you can, you got to prove yourself because everybody wants to do it, you know, you don't have to pay people a lot of money. And so, and everybody's young, you know, everybody's 20, 20 years, 25 years old, making $25,000, you know, almost working 20 hours a day, you know, and um, that's just, that's just, that's kind of getting it out the mud and that's where it starts, but it, it's paid off for sure. This book was actually pretty apropos for me right now because I'm, like one of my goals is kind of be, be a little bit more intentional about stuff this year and trying to set goals. I even, um, well, I have a goal book. I have like an intention book that I got. So like I'm writing like different goals and stuff I want to set. So like this book actually kind of came on time. So I enjoyed it for its timeliness. Is there anything in the book in particular that jumped out and just spoke to you? It was like, oh, that is something that I could use. Um, Just like the different, um, I guess like the different loops or the cues he was talking about, like how you don't, like you don't set a goal to reach a goal. Like you set like your habits. Like I like how you just, it's more or less, the book is all about like changing your mindset. So like, don't think of, um, don't necessarily think about the, the goal, but think about like the destination and how you want to get there and like focus on that more. And as long as you like are doing like those, the process. Yeah. The process, as long as you're going through the process and doing it, then like the goal that you set is kind of going to get there as opposed to be like, I want to do this. I'm going to do that. And then boom. And like, it's cause, um, he talks about like that, um, that whole like disappointment people get, like when they like set a goal and then they don't reach it. And then it like kind of puts them back at where they, uh, began, began, like say like for people who overeat, like food is their comfort. So it's like, I feel bad that I didn't stick to my diet or whatever. So now I'm going to retreat back into the thing that I'm trying to get out of, as opposed to like, trying to convince yourself, not even convince yourself, but just reminding yourself, hey, you know, a person who 
is into healthy eating would probably eat this right now. Like if I, a person that blah, 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 X, Y, Z, like, I think that was pretty cool. Cause it, it doesn't, um, it kind of takes the pressure off of, of things and makes it Absolutely. a little bit easier to, uh, to convert. I also thought the, uh, the part about the peer pressure was interesting because peer pressure is very real. I think people think when you grow up, like you get out of peer pressure, but I'm like, really the world is a big high school and everybody trying to be popular and not get beat up. So deal with it. Harv, what jumped out to you about this book? You know me, man. I had to get past the author at first. Um, <laughs> I just had to get past, like... Why? Because you know, he's an underachiever, dog. Like, it's, like, weird to me, like, taking advice from an underachiever, you know? A self-proclaimed underachiever, like a very mediocre dude. But at the same time... That's the American you know, way, though. Ain't it? <laughs> but but let me ask you something. What we know him for... Uh, habit forming and studying habits, is he underachieved in that field? Well, that's that's where I was going with it. So it's like, you know, um, once once you move past that point, right, and, and, and take in what's being said, so as an educator, my, my premise is that you got to change the environment because environments dictate behavior and all those things are a reflection of one's habits. And so if, you, if you're trying to change a person, you got to change the environment. It's always environmental to me. And so a lot of the, what he spoke to resonated with that that portion of it. And so then there's the, he doesn't call them life hacks and he doesn't want you to look at them as life hacks, but it's very applicable to stuff that he said um, in terms of like how you can change your environment to make your process intentional, how to make your process enjoyable how to make your process give you the feedback that you need in order to continue. So I thought it was cool from that perspective. Yeah. This is not the but most like motivating. Ross is reading this book. He was like, yeah, I can do this better. I hate, don't, don't compare this to Rick Ross. Please don't. <laughs> I mean, you are tripping. <laughs> but this book, this book kind of uh, affirm what I have already been doing. And I don't want to be like, hey, pat myself on the back. Bro, come on now. Don't, come yeah. <laughs> what are and you talking about, man? Come yeah, on. It, it affirms what I, the it way I move. It what you do. How about that? It no, it, it affirms it what I do. You read it and you start acting like that. Nah, Donovan can tell you. I've, um, I've, always, I've always been operating in a handicap because I have ADD. So... Mm-hmm. If Donovan will tell you, like, on my group chat, I don't have any notifications on my phone. I don't have a notification for my text messages. I don't have a notification for my WhatsApp, anything. So no, all notifications are turned off because I know if I hear a notification, everything is going to stop in my head and I got to go check my phone. So my phone was my master. So I tried to eliminate all my masters. So if you really want to talk to me, you will call me. That's the only thing that I have on. And then half the time I turn my ringer off. So I don't even have that either. So I I respond to you when I have time when I have time to respond to you. You can't control me. That's one thing. I've always had boards. When I work out, I'll always put my shoes in a place and I always have to set up my environment 
to make it conducive to work out. I always, he has this thing in the book called double stack and we're going to get into the details, but he has this thing called double stack. And that's the only way I'm able to watch TV if I get on the treadmill. Mm -hmm. So I watched the whole BML series on the treadmill. So I've been doing this, but there was some science put behind it that made me be like, aha, that's true. Uh Yeah, because I do have addictions. I have addictions to sugar. And I go in the kitchen and I sneak a piece of um, of brownies. I've been eating my kids' brownies. But anyway. Did you pay for them, Doc? Did you buy the no, brownies? No, the neighbor, the, the, the neighbor uh, baked the kids did, the brownies. Did you pay the mortgage? Bruh. That, that your brownies, do... dog. Don't you do that to yourself. I'm just trying to help you, dog. Yeah, that you ain't going to help me. That ain't going to help me in your... my glucose. You didn't Those are not his brownies. In, you didn't Those sneak nothing in your house, dog. Those ain't for him. Yeah, that doesn't do anything for my glucose. (laughs) 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 Teresa. Yes. What did you think about the book? (laughs) What did I think? Oh, yeah. Um, What did I think about the book? (sighs) Well, uh, this is probably part of why you hate me. But, um... You know, self-help books are just not my thing. And so, yeah, a lot of what was going on, which, again, is the things that you bring up about me that you say you don't particularly care for. But a lot of this is common sense stuff for me. So it's only interesting in the sense of saying, hey, that's the stuff that you already do on top of some other things, not to mention I've already studied a lot of these things, so it wasn't the most interesting read for me. But there are a couple of things that I take away from the book that I do, which is, um, I think you were alluding to the temptation bundling and the habit stacking, which, of course, is very um good for when you are replacing behaviors. And if you're cognitively going into something saying, this is what I want to do. So the upside is if you are taking control of your life and you want to, these are steps that you can use. The downside to that is you have to cognitively go into this. This isn't something that you can just automatically be like, I want to do better because there are a lot of things that you have to recognize within yourself to be able to take this book and work with Good. Now, Brad, walk us through how you use this book in your everyday life to motivate your people. You know, that's, uh, well, first of all, I think everybody's made some great points. And I think with every book, I can't remember the last time I read a book and it's like the whole book was like, wow. I, I think every book is like you take, you, you take something, you take some chunks out of every book and be like, okay. Now you went through this whole book, but you might have took some chunks. But those chunks, they can they can really stick with you. Brad um, is but, like, you're not gonna piss on my book. No, but <laughs> <laughs> but um, but no, I I I think the first one um you mentioned it was the the it's been mentioned was a habit stacking, and um, you know, and it, it talks about and Harvey was mentioned about the environment. And, and and priming your environment. So Lynn, you're talking about you got the sugar addiction, and you know, in the book is like, well, look, if you want to eat healthy, I remember back when I would go to the grocery store and buy 
some apples. I'm putting the apples in the refrigerator in that little drawer where you're supposed to put produce and fruit, but I'm not eating them. So you got to put the apples in the middle of the table. So now you see that like, you get hungry. The apples are right there in front of you. Or mm-hmm. like I say, you want to read more at night. Then just like what you mentioned, you got your shoes right there, ready to go by the treadmill or put, put the book on your pillow at night. So then it's like, it's right there. And maybe you just knock out a couple of pages because the one thing that he talks about is it's better to not break the chain than having a bad day. So it's like, look, I think he actually says the author says bad days are good days saying that if you don't feel like going to the gym, you go anyways, either if you don't really do a whole lot, you didn't break the chain. You got to keep, you got it going. But, um, because it shows your commitment. Yeah, exactly. So, um, but the, but the habit stacking is huge, but in terms of what I use the most and what I got from it, the most that I use on a regular basis is when he's talking about, um, what's the biggest influences and what we use to imitate. And he says, uh, the close, your family and friends. And he says the many, and the powerful. And then when he says the many, he's talking about, he takes it back to the tribe. And then he talks about, well, hey, look, everybody's wired to want to get along and be a part of the tribe. Nobody likes to really separate from the tribe because all these benefits come from when you're a part of the tribe. Well, what I have to deal with on a regular basis in scouting, the world of scouting, you know, Everybody, and I encourage all my scouts to be artists. Everybody's an artist. Paint your own picture. Well, that's not how the brain thinks. Because when you're the lone wolf and you step away from the pack, then that's not always a good feeling. And then so what I always encourage guys is like, look, don't be scared to be the lone wolf, man. Just be an artist because he talks about the Solomon Ash experiment that you can look up on YouTube when the guy walks in the room and they have these actors in the room and you're pulling out cards on these, these three lines and they're guessing the lines and the person is guessing the wrong line on purpose. And so then the guy that's the actual, the actual guy for the project for the experiment, he's actually like, Oh wow. How come everybody's saying line three, clearly line one is, is the line you're supposed to say. But nobody likes to, to do that. But it's a part of your brain that's actually going to light up. It's called the uh, it's called the ACC region of your brain, this interior cingulate cortex. And it actually monitors your blood pressure and heart rate. And so when you go against the grain and you go against what everybody else is doing, that part of your brain starts to light up and be like, whoa, 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 are you sure? Are you sure you're about to go against the grain? And that's what he that's what he talks about. It's like it takes work to go against the grain. And so again, I, I like the fact of how much the brain factors into habit formation, but even having the courage to separate from the tribe because most people want to wake up and they want to get along. You know, most people don't want to wake up and they just want to be away from everybody or don't want to get along or be confrontational. So that's that's one of the biggest parts that I took from the book. So I always encourage all my scouts to have independent thought 
everybody works independent, then we come together and then everybody's what we call paintings come to life. And it's that one person that's different. And it's often the reaction is, man, I'm, I'm, I must have saw it wrong or man, I, I must have messed this one up. And I quickly tell him, no, no, you didn't. It's like, no, we could all be wrong and you predicted it the right way. So that was probably the biggest part of that. What I deal with on a regular basis when it comes to scouting, that when it comes with the brain and being away from the tribe and going against the grain, man, that's a powerful thing because you want to imitate the many. And then you're rewarded for it. And then once you're rewarded for it, then you become that person who is different. And then those people start to want to be like you because you did something different. And that's how that all comes together. And those are those outliers, I guess, that you like to talk about. Your outliers that come through and that's all a part of that whole process. Absolutely. Absolutely. You're the trendsetter. You know, being a leader and being at the top is not the most popular position. You're not the most most of the responsibility is. Yeah. 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 Heavy is the head that wears the crown. Yes. And 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 so that's why there's a pyramid and only few are at the top. Because you was you were talking about uh the brain and the brain activity separating Mm -hmm. from the, the tribe and your blood pressure going up. Well, our brain is naturally wired for social interactions. Mm-hmm. That's, that's why when people are in solitary confinement, they go crazy because their brain is creating personalities to communicate with and to keep the brain company. So you yes. start talking to yourself and creating characters. So you're naturally wired to be with the group. Mm-hmm. And it takes a special type of person. Sometimes my wife says, it's a little bit of autism when you go against the grain <laughs> because you don't feel, you don't feel those certain cues that other people feel. When you right. step out. He's not speaking in general. He's speaking about himself. It's, I told him already, Teresa, he, it's some sprinkles on, he on that spectrum. Hey, I'm, let, let me, yeah. I, a lot I, of people I, say that I'm real. on that spectrum because <laughs> I don't follow the social norms. <laughs> I follow I what him, feels Teresa. good to me and what right I think is correct. So I'm known to be loud and wrong because I stand firm. And he doesn't firm. even mind that. Say again? We don't even mind nope. the fact that that's nope. what people say. It's like you don't usually, and this is the perfect example of that, because if a person knows that they are loud and wrong, which is exactly what Brad was talking about earlier, because they don't want to go against the grain. They want to fit in into the close because that's the family Mm -hmm. and then the tribe which is right around you i guess that's donovan and harvey and now brad Mm -hmm. and then the powerful which of course would be your upper you you know rub the elbows with the powerful but (laughs) you don't care so that's yeah you so your cues are off and (laughs) maybe that means this book can't even apply to you close it we're done no, the I book think he does just apply has to me. Motivations. That's all. He's, he he has the cues. It's just his motivations are a little different than. That's no, Donovan, the cues aren't there. So if we go back to the book here, it actually says that you have a cue, then a craving, then the response, and then the reward. So if he never gets the cue, I do have the cue. My cue is just not your cue. His, his, no, 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 no. no but you just said. That's all. 
gets you, the cues. The cues. You're missing the cues because if everyone else is feeling uncomfortable because of the loudness, you can't respond because you don't even recognize that you're being loud. I just want to say some of our greatest minds and some of the, some of the people who had tilted the planet and shaped the minds are considered socially awkward. Okay, and those I are outliers. We just talked that about that. And you know, I'm still I, I am waiting. glad to be considered that few. We're still um, waiting. And and that's why and that's why I feel comfortable in a room where everybody else around me is smarter than me. I married a woman who is light years smarter than me. I hang out with Harvey, who's smarter than me. Donovan is way smarter than me. And Brad, you seem to be way smarter than me. But Brad, guess whose platform you on? Mine. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> and you and know I, that's a mindset right there. That that's it. <laughs> hey, what you just said, what you just said is like that's the to me, that's the ultimate confidence of look, man, I wanna I wanna surround myself with people that are better than than me. I wanna be around like look, I, I had conversations with Harvey that was bizarre as hell. Yeah, oh. like one time we was, I forgot where it was at. I just fell asleep. Like I just, he just <laughs> took me off in a, he took me off in another galaxy where I was just like, okay, I just can't do it no more. Like, but, but I, but this, but this dude is like a genius. He yeah. is extremely smart. But like you said, if you're saying that, I don't, I can't say this sounds small. You, you have a podcast. I don't have like I was actually driving part of the book, part of the book about habits is he talks about changing your wording about saying you have to do something or you get to do something. And just changing that word right there can have you with a different approach of how you think about habits. So driving home, I didn't say, man, I have to do this podcast I was saying I get to do this podcast like this is an opportunity, you know, that I was afforded to be invited to talk about a book that I really like and be on this platform. So, yes, man, like this is huge. But that's a confidence thing, man. Like you have to have confidence. I have to I have the confidence to walk in that draft room and say, look, I don't have all the answers. I don't have all the answers, but I know everybody in this room has a piece of the answer. And so. Let me get all the answers, and then now as a leader, I can organize all the answers and make sure that we make the right decision. But even when I mess things up, when I'm when I miss and I'm the lone wolf, I gotta walk in the room and say, "Look, I fucked that up." You know what I mean? Like that that was my fault. And then okay, now that I've admitted that, let's try to make it better. You know, and what 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 can we use? But you gotta surround with people that are better than you always. Brad, you're the gatekeeper of a lot of people's uh, dreams and future. <laughs> y- you say, hey, you're, you're going to be selected to play on the next level professional football, right? Mm-hmm. With that, what are some of the things that in this book and other self-help books that you and you have incorporated in your daily life and some of the things that you look for in other people that be like, Hey, I'm going to put my job on the line to give you a job to come and play for the lions and turn this team around. Man, that's a hell of a question. Um, 
and I, I would take it back to what Harvey was saying about environment. Uh, I, I think priming your environment for success is something that that anybody can control. Um, and, you know, um, it's often you talk about like, well, what was your upbringing? You can only you'll, you'll take the habits of your upbringing and all that. But I tell kids all the time, look, you have an opportunity to go to the next level. So the friends that you're hanging out with right now, they don't have that same opportunity that you have. They're not your friends are hanging out. They're not six, five. 300 pounds running this, this fast. So, but they might be doing things that's not on your agenda. Now they'll still be your friend, but look, man, you're going to have to put a lot of that stuff to the side and prime your environment for success to make sure that you can work out and study and do all the necessary things you got to do to give yourself the best chance of success to make it to the next level. You can prime your environment to do that. You can pull yourself out. I, I talk to our rookies about that every time, every summer before they take a break. You know, I say, look, man, every everybody's not on your agenda. So you just got to make that sacrifice. You got to be up front and say, look, man, I can't go to the club with, with you tonight. I just can't because I got to get up in the morning and work out. And I'm not putting myself in that position. And so priming your environment for success, that's why I tell kids all the time, um, and I think it gives them a better opportunity. But when you're scouting, what are some of the qualities that that you look for that stands out to be like, hmm, I'm taking an interest in this person? Is it all about athletic ability? Is it about attitude? What is it? What, what is some of the things that you look for? Yeah, uh, the number one thing for me is intangibles. You know, um, we have we, we break it down with physical qualities and intangible qualities. And we call them PQs and the physical qualities is the, you know, athletic ability, explosiveness, strength, speed. But the intangible qualities is the competitiveness, the instincts and the toughness. And often and you get into football character, work ethic, preparation, leadership, all that stuff, perseverance, self-efficacy. Well, often when you watch film you'll see intangibles show on tape, like how hard a guy's playing, how urgent that player's playing. That's his intangible showing on film. That's what matters to me. Because when you get to the NFL, everybody's good. Everybody's talented. But that's this guy that's 6'5", 300. You know, there's, there's 50 more like him at the same position. Well, who's got the best intangibles? Because one guy, 6'5", 300, he's not running to the football like it's his last play that he's ever going to play in football. But the other guy is. And so, to me, that's the separator that I look for for success. In the book, they were talking about uh, staying motivated. Mm -hmm. we, can we could create our environment, create our habits, uh, and – the hardest part about this whole thing is falling in love with the process. Mm -hmm. And I saw this documentary a few years ago and they were following Usain Bolt. Mm -hmm. And they was talking about uh, his day-to-day -day life and how hard he trains. And you know that he hates it. He hates running. He 
hates training, mm -hmm. but he does it every day, and that's how he stays the best. But the whole documentary, he talks about the sacrifices that he has to make, how he has to leave his friends, his family. He's tired. He don't feel like working out. It hurts. You know, he wish he could be a normal person. Nobody but trying he, to hear all that, man. That dude can run, man. Nobody trying to hear. That'd be, that'd yeah, be but, that'd be but that's the point. The point is, even the best, even the best sometimes don't feel like getting doing up that. Absolutely. And, and doing that. Absolutely. Yeah, Absolutely. Even if it's, yeah, even if your muscles are trained to be able to work out, you still don't feel like working out. And that's... Hey, they put in ridiculous hours, though. That's what he was talking about, was separate the regular people from the professionals. Yep. Is those days when you don't really want to do it, but you go anyway and not break the chain. And it was another part in the book that I like. It was towards the end, and he was real honest. It doesn't matter if you work hard, it doesn't matter if you do all these things. There's another factor that comes into play, and that's your DNA and your <laughs> genes. <laughs> I was on I was on the swim team. I quickly learned that there was something different about the swimmers who were breaking records versus me. I'm five nine. The successful swimmers had a long torso. Mm -hmm. They had long arms. They were tall. They just had that swimmer's build. Mm -hmm. And if you didn't have that swimmer's build, then you weren't much. There was a ceiling to your success in the pool. But you could be everybody at the pool. Y at the red. At the pool. Yeah, at the red. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> but but, <laughs> but 15, I, I like I like that yards. part. <laughs> I like that I like that he incorporated it in the book because it made it a whole book. Yeah. You know, it it, it made it, it tied everything in. You know, you well, can well, have, hold on, hold on. Don't miss that part though, because he's saying your DNA is part of your package though. So he's saying don't dismiss what you can't do. You know, everybody, that still may be your love, and that doesn't mean don't swim because you can't be the fastest swimmer. But everybody's everybody's DNA is part of their package, so people do have to spend the time to find it. You know what I mean? You got to figure out how to find the environment, you know, that's going to make you be the person. I think when he talks about asking yourself, who do you want to be like? Like, who is the person that you want to become? And then living like that who listen man brad um was a defensive lineman in school and them boys can be big and we didn't have a real you know big strength program so our d lineman looked like this. <laughs> 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 <And> always, <laughs> there was just some big boys you know and so if you see brad today you would think he played receiver or something and 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 that came from habit and discipline and so you know every now and then Lenny, when i'm on my health kick i ask myself Hey man, would Brad eat this? And that'll be my, that'll be my my life hack, if you will, at that moment. What would Brad do? You know what would you know, and I'd be like, man, Brad, Brad wouldn't even eat this shit, man. Like Brad, no way in hell, Brad eat this two days in a row. <laughs> and, and, and you know what I mean. And so you know that's that was one of the things that he talks about. So he talk about things that, how they affirm your things that you're already doing. But so you know, it's a lot of it's a lot of it, Lenny, that I think is applicable. Um, so the book is useful. So it's a nice read in that regard. And you made a good point about like, um, cause that, that's another, and I actually got that from, it was another book that I was reading about 
just how the successful people don't like doing the extra stuff either. And um, I was actually talking to our team about that. We was in a rough spot. We hadn't won a game yet, you know, and, um, you know, we was about to face a good opponent. And we always model our, 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 our team is all about grit. You know, we talk about grit and willpower. And he's talking about how, and it brings it back to what you else you talked about, about motivation versus willpower. Because you're not always going to feel like it. You know, you're not always going to feel like doing stuff. And so, because life happens, you know what I mean? You you get an argument with your significant other. You, you have a family member that gets sick. Like, life happens, so you're not going to feel like doing stuff. But when you have will and you're dependent on willpower, that's what you got to utilize. When you say, you say, look, I'm going to write this down and I'm sticking to this. Like you said, Lynn, you said you got your board. I'm making sure that I'm doing this regardless. I don't care how I'm feeling. I'm going to actually do this. That's will. That's, that's, that's grit. You just do it because you got to do it, you know, and it's not all about how you, how you feel. But so that's, those, those are very, those are very powerful, powerful tools and references. I really like in the book where it talks about uh, it was a gentleman and he was talking about setting up his space for success. And I know we talked about this a little bit earlier, but he also said he did it from a lazy perspective. He said, you know, people think that I'm doing this and that it's amazing, but it's actually because I'm pretty lazy and I've spent a lot of time around a lot of athletes and, you know, a lot of them, you know, they don't really care to do all of that stuff. And a lot of it comes natural to them. They're natural athletes. They have natural bills. And so they set up things in ways to make it conducive for them to do what they need to do without a lot of friction. And I know they use the word friction in the book. Mm -hmm. So that's one of the things that I like to take away with some of the teachings that I do since I am in education now and with my own family, I try to help them set up areas and time for them to do what they need to do. So Mm -hmm. I'll leave out things for them. I set up my son's workspace. So when you get up, you have this, I gave him a little chart. You can move the button. So you know what you've done. I do some of the stuff for Lenny as well. But I don't think they care until they read it in a book. So hopefully (laughs) some of the things that I have implemented and put for everyone to do now that they have had affirmation from someone else, some of those things will get done around here. Well, I can tell you this. I intentionally undress in the closet so I could, when I'm taking off my shirt in the closet or taking off my shoes, I can just put them on the rack or put them in the vicinity of the rack or hang up. My shirt is in the vicinity. Even if I don't hang it up, it's in my closet and not everywhere else. So that's intentional. But you know, to her point, I'm, I'm gonna tell you what, though, man. Like that's 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 very powerful too because I often feel the same thing. Like if I want to work out in the morning, I have to make sure everything is set. Not because. Yes, it is kind of like what we've been talking about, priming your environment or like what he says in the book, make it easy or make it obvious and all that kind of stuff. But really, it's about I don't know why I just feel like time goes so fast in the morning. Like, I feel like 
if you leave the house and you forget your cell phone at the house and you may have made around two blocks, you're like, damn, I left my cell phone at the house. You've only driven two blocks. Or you may not even made it out the neighborhood. That feels like if you turn around and get that cell phone, it feels like a half an hour has gone by. Like it just yeah, it feels like time goes by. That's because of the morning. Yeah, like if you if you're looking for your clothes to work out, that feels like that's 20 minutes. It just so it, it is an element of morning, like I guess laziness of I don't want to look for stuff anymore. <laughs> <laughs> what is that yeah, morning because, time just faster? Yeah, because you know, it five minutes can like. mean five minutes getting in the traffic ahead of traffic, and if you five minutes late getting behind the traffic, now it's going to cost you thirty minutes. Um, <laughs> and that's true. It is, yeah, yeah. But that was something else in the book that um, that stood out to me. Uh, Teresa did mention that part because that was one of the things that stood out. But towards the end of the book, he was talking about being malleable. And and flexible, and that's life. Life moves, life bends, life flows. Mm-hmm. And when you die, you you get stiff. Gosh. And he's talking. He's comparing that to being rigid, and you're pretty much dead. Mm. And he was talking about sometimes pe- people who are great at things, they make huge sacrifices, and they spend their whole life doing it. Like mm-hmm. Kobe didn't become Kobe overnight. You know, Jordan same way. So, but when that becomes who you are, when you become a programmer or you identify as a soldier, you identify as a basketball player or whoever, and once that thing is over with, he made a great point. Then who are you? It's that, it's that football player, that basketball player that didn't get drafted, but they spent their whole life making sacrifices in AAU or, you know, uh, playing college football Man, to get to this point, and they don't make it. And you see those guys in the circuit that's on people practice squad, and they 25, 26, and now they sitting down, and they trying to figure it out. I'll give you an example. I was watching Hot Boxing with Mike Tyson's podcast, and he has his co-host on his show named Ian Britton. He about 6'6", six, six, 300 pounds. Big old boy. Yeah, and he's playing the league. He used to yeah, play, he, he played. Yeah. He played in the NFL for like yeah. ten years. Yeah, mm-hmm. offensive lineman or something. For and, and he and he said one day he looked up his daughters. Uh, when he retired, his daughters were like 10, 12 years old, and he saw them, and he said like I didn't. I don't even know my kids because I spent my whole life sacrificing, and my identity is in football. Mm-hmm. Then he also said that he went through a deep depression and he started drinking. Because at the football, he said he didn't know who he was. Mm-hmm. And it took him a long time to try to find his identity, and he still kind of struggles with the identity. I think sometimes he takes hyenas off the podcast. Mm-hmm. But, um, but the book speaks about that. And the yeah. book speaks about you have to separate what you do from your identity and maintain your flexibility. Otherwise, you will die. And you would die with that, mm-hmm. you know. And that spoke. What does he? Me. What does he say, Doc? Don't you say something like, you know, um, um, evolution doesn't expect doesn't respect the strong; it respects those who can adapt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So th- that's one of the things that uh, I liked about it. But you know what? That that is that's interesting, man. Because like 
if you you feel like if you don't make those sacrifices and you don't go all in 100 percent that you're not going to succeed at what you're trying to succeed at. You know, I, I've always been a believer in whatever you choose to do, man, like focus on that. Like I know some people like they they want to do five different things. They want to do this, that, 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 that. Well, you only got 100 percent. So if you're putting 20 percent here and 20 percent there and tw- you can't all equally dis- distribute it everywhere, you got to have to pick and choose. You're going to have to narrow it down. But I, I, I can take myself, like, I felt like I was all scouting in football. That that was all I was doing till I got to where I'm probably not where I'm at now. But even when I became, like, a let's say a college director, that's when I really probably started to expand and – look at other areas and become a little bit more well-rounded. I just so I start off the podcast. I got into books heavily and I started to get into outdoors things and started getting into biking and exercise and all these things. But I feel like if I didn't do, if I wasn't all into it, then I wouldn't have made it to where I was at, which I could be wrong. Cause even since I've started this job, I've noticed that, like what you with that guy said on hotboxing about his children, my kids are very, very young and I'm here leaving the house before they get up and then I'm coming home after they're asleep. And so here I am Monday through Thursday not seeing them. And I'm like, wait, hold on, man. This is not this is not the work life balance that that that's working because it wasn't working. And so I had to find a way and it was hard for me to find a way of like, hey, look, man, I can't just miss my kids this long because I'm trying to be the first one in the work because I think it's something, a fire is going to happen or a train wreck is going to come if I don't get in there early. But then I had to find that balance, man. So that's that's interesting because you often don't think you're going to have the success if you don't go all in on it, but you do miss out on a lot of other things if you're not careful. That's why you better love it, Jack. <laughs> if you're going to do exactly. something like that, you better love it, Jack. <laughs> My mother told me, she says, you work to live, not live to work. And you always have to keep that in the back of your mind. Absolutely. And that's true. But yeah, you also no have to though. make some sacrifices sometimes <laughs> to get to a place that you really want to be in. It's and that's like, why you have to have a support cast around you that helps you get to the place that you want to be because sacrifice is necessary, absolutely. especially in, in this day and age. And when you have that support system and you know what the goal is, then you work towards the goal and then you rest. And then you have all of those things to share with your family. And uh, if you have the right partner, they understand that and that it, it makes it all the better once you are able to rest and have a great life. Well, I hope yeah. he does have the right partner, because if he doesn't, whew, you just put that pressure on him. Um, <laughs> pressure. Well, There's no way that I would be able to do what I've done without my wife and she she if if it wasn't for her, then there's no way that we'd be here because. What she does when I'm gone, you know, it's a lot of travel on the road and uh, having children, you know, that's taking care of them. 
that that's that it's a one and a three year old is 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 a, basically a full time job, you know. And it is a full time job. It, it, it's it, it's it, it's it's a lot, and so um, without her, there's no way that I could do what I do. Like it, it just wouldn't be possible. So it's it's times where I give her a break. Like I was telling Harvey, like our season just ended. So this past last week was a little bit of our, you know, a lot of the coaches went on vacation and a lot of the building kind of emptied out. And so I'm like, I told her to just take a break, just take a break. And then I'll take care of the kids. And that's when I learned, I'm like, oh yeah, I got much respect. For what she's doing. <laughs> Let me get back to work. Let me get <laughs> I, right. I gotta go check out this tape. Let me go check out this tape. <laughs> you know as men, we don't realize how hard that job is. And we Absolutely. only we, we only consume with our job and from our perspective and what we have to go through. And we always try to nullify the woman's job. Like, oh, you don't work. What you doing all day? I'm watching two kids. That's enough. <laughs> but anyway, Donovan, you were about to say something? Yeah, I was just going to comment on that uh, that cast that's so important because um, definitely having your partner, but having the total cast around you is important to changing any habit just because um, a guy once told me a long time ago that you're like the five people that you hang around the most. So if you think about the people that you're always interacting with the most, you're going to have pretty much all of the similar characteristics, more or less. So if you're trying to learn something or do something new, it always behooves you to try to meet people that are already doing it and kind of just immerse yourself in that um, because it just makes it that much easier to learn from example. I think also we just have to put things into perspective and see what we're doing it for. Yes. I mean, yeah, like sometimes you got to identify your why. Why am I doing this? Am I doing this for me and my personal goals or am I doing this, you know, for my family? Because now my family is an extension of me. And yeah. Brad, this is kind of like off the beating path, but this is a great question. For for a black man, how tall are you, Brad? 6'2". All right. For somebody that's 6'2", bald head with a full beard, so that you in style right now, you you the thing, right? <laughs> You came out of college. Uh, I'm assuming right now, <laughs> you, you you were single. You said you were single, and you were on your journey as a PR. You traveling, you know, you living out your car. You you're chasing your goal. You're chasing your dreams, and you're finding yourself, right? Mm-hmm. How were you able to find a woman doing all these things? Because you know they say you go to college and you find you you typically find your wife in college or you find your husband in college, and mm-hmm. it. It gets harder once you leave that. How were you able to find find somebody who you were compatible with and foster a relationship with struggling financially, still being goal goal oriented? And how did that how did that work? You know, how, how were you able to find your wife and your children and stuff like that? Let's that's talk about a, that part. That's a, that is a great question because um you know, being single and being on that grind. And let me say this, sir, like the work is hard, but I don't feel like I'm really working. Like I literally love what I do. Like if you're talking about a why, yes, I want to provide for my family. I want to do it for my, like, I, but I genuinely love what I do. Like I don't, I don't, it don't feel like work. It's just, that's just truly my passion of what I'm doing. But um, 
But as you're going through that grind and all the traveling, like all the traveling and not having, you know, lack of income and all of that, um, it is hard. And what I what what I started to run into is that um, there was women that I would date, but they didn't really understand really what my grind was. So case in point, I would be gone for 10 days and I come back in town. And then while you're gone, you're collecting information. You're collecting that. You're going to all these schools. You're talking to all these coaches. You're looking at all these players and you might have time at night when you get to the hotel, you might have time to type a few reports but then you got to get up at, you know, five o'clock in the morning the next day and you got to do it all over again. And then you might have a drive from Raleigh to, you know, Boone, North Carolina, you know, and then you might not after practice at late at night and you get in. So you're doing a little work, but you're collecting. When you get home, that's when you're actually inputting all the work that you did, you all the information all you collected. Yeah, you got to, you got to, you got to turn in all the information you collected. So now I just got in town back home. And then now it's like, well, so-and-so wants to go out on a date and wants to go to move. And I said, well, I just got home and I've been gone and I got to work. It's Friday. It's 11 o'clock at night. And she doesn't believe that. And Mm. I said, no, I'm actually at my laptop typing reports. I can't do that. And so a lot of them, they didn't understand that. <laughs> they just didn't. They they didn't understand that. So that right there was like, if you can't understand what I'm doing, then she don't you're not really it. the one for me. You know what I mean? This is not going to really work. So when I met my wife, she was like the one that really understood. Like I said, look, I just got home from work. It's Friday, ten o'clock at night. I'm writing poetry. She's like, okay, well then, call me when you get done. That was that was it. And then I call when I get done, we go, we have a good time. And it was never, it was never brought up or I'd be on the road. I'm gone. Okay. Look, I understand you. She understood what I was, what I was going through. She understood what I was doing. She understood what the mission was. She had a life of her own. Yes. She had a life of her own, you know? And so, you know, we just, we just worked and we just clicked and, you know, it's, it's just, you know, when you, when you, when you know, you find the one and then, you know, and so uh, that's how it worked. But again, I, I got married at an older age, I guess. You know, I, I didn't get married till I was, you know, 35. I got you know, married at 34. Oh, well, then you did the right yeah. thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, does your wife, like uh, in the book, is your wife as supportive of you? And does she, is she your accountability partner? the books talk about accountability partners (laughs) yeah yeah and you know she uh because you know harvey was talking about would would be homes eat this you know and so we might go on a stench of like look we're going ketogenic you know for the next year and so you know she handles majority of the cooking in the house and even when i might have a craving of not going ketogenic you know, and say, look, I want these carbs. She's like, no, we said we're going ketogenic. That's what we're doing for this amount of time. And then it's like, okay, I appreciate you keeping me in check and holding me accountable. You know, so I think it, it, it's, it's, it's everything. It's 
it's belief, it's accountability, it's support, it's uh, it's an ear to listen to. You know, um, right. I mean, it's an ear to talk to. It's everything. But that support system is 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 real because if you don't have that, it's tough. I can share this with you, right? I work out. Um, I'm, I'm trying to lose a lot of weight so I can start back dressing because my wife said I couldn't dress, so I had to get my weight down to, so the clothes. You look pretty good. lean though, Lenny. I'll be honest with you. I go running in the in in the garage, and I love when I'm in the middle of my strides, and my wife comes and she can see on like she can see the numbers. I've been on a treadmill for like 28 minutes. Or, 20 some minutes and I'm running like at seven miles per hour and she catch me like running and it's that feeling like ooh my baby out there getting it so I make sure I run a little bit longer if I know she's in the kitchen listening I, even if she's not listening I want her to hear how hard I'm working it's kind of like that interview with Kobe Bryant said I just stayed in the gym because I knew you were in the gym. Yeah, I was about to go home, but since you showed up, I stayed two hours longer. Baby, I hope that this don't bust your bubble, but I don't even think like that. It doesn't matter. It's the way I'm running. You feel validated. You feel validated. Yeah, it was effective. It's a cue. It's a cue. Just let it, it's it's cute. Cute. You're, you're, you're the cute. Yes, you're, you're yeah. the cute. Men yeah. be on some bullshit. Men yeah. be on straight bullshit. Women yeah. be. She's not paying your ass no attention on that uh-huh. goddamn trip. Right. <laughs> uh, when you come out of that garage, can you please change this light bulb? Right. <laughs> but the me, book says man, the two yeah. most common cues is time and location. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so that, that, that's my dopamine that spike when she opened that door and I'm sweating and I'm in that stride. He done, done made his own shit up. He in there yeah. himself making shit up. Right. Like, right. I'm like, Go get your <laughs> Please. Please. I'm like Michael Jordan creating rivalries in my head. <laughs> that's his motivation. That's my motivation. I had no idea. <laughs> She's not thinking about Joe. Now you know. <laughs> but now you know you're a motivator, Teresa. Just and you know what? In the Rick Ross game, like, uh, Brad, did you know Rick Ross has a motivational book out? I just heard about it. It's I just heard Ross about Day. it. I just heard about it. And I'm a big Ross fan, so uh, oh, I definitely, no. I definitely got <laughs> to read that one. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, you could just tune into the Bros Bookshelf where we sure let can. the content of the book drive the discussion. <laughs> hey, <laughs> I'm in. Hey, but uh, but check this out. Rick Ross did say when he was coming up, how he perfected his craft. He would psych himself up to be mad at certain MCs so he can go at them in his head, and he would write like diss rhymes about people. Mm-hmm. I don't think he said that up in the Boss Up book. He did say that in Hurricanes, but. Some of our greatest people have like these little, these little tricks, these little crazy things that they do, and Psychos. they psych they they psych their heads up, they psych their minds up to be better. So I psych my mind up to psych think that I look good sweating, like on one of them Tyrese videos or something when I'm sweating on the treadmill that my wife think I'm sexy. But you know that that's uh, you know um, I remember back in the day, man. When I was um, when I was like a young scout, I would I would literally I would write my reports with the mindset of I don't want anybody to ask me any questions. And so basically, I'm like, I'm going to empty the clip in this report. And so I would kind of be a psych. I would psych myself up of like, 
Don't ask me no questions. So what I present to you, what you read in this report, you ain't going to have any questions. And I literally would write these reports like, don't ask me no questions. And I call myself, I'm I'm emptying the clip, but maybe that's psyching myself up. Or you would be offended if you turn something in and they ask you a question <laughs> that you already went over or you're about to get to. If you just be quiet, we're going to cover that later. We're going to get to that. You want new people like we're going to get to that. <laughs> We've already talked about that. Where are you? <laughs> you offended. <laughs> yeah. But you know, on the flip side of that, now, Lenny, about the work ethic, I mean, you everybody wants to feel validated, but also um, it is a, a little bit of uh, how hard you're working when nobody's watching. Yeah, you know, absolutely. and that's I, I was just thinking about that real character right um, a few days ago about when my son gets old enough. That's what I'm probably going to teach him is you know <laughs> you're gonna have to work really hard when no one's watching. You know what? Mine just a little bit different. It's are you kind when people are not watching? Are mm. you honest when people are not watching? Mm. It's not really it's hard. It's an add on. It's not different. It's an add on. It's just an add on. Yeah, but that's what I focus on. Like when the lights off and nobody around, are you still doing good by people? Okay. We playing around with the idea that you making up this this relationship you have with Teresa in the garage on the treadmill, but. It's still part of what he's talking about in the book, you know, in terms of absolutely telling yourself certain things. And you can kind of tell yourself how you want to be and how you're not wanting to be. And he's talking about how you can vocalize it. And, you know, I don't want to eat this because this is not healthy. It's not good for me. And any other script you've heard to make yourself disgusted about eating something, you know, whatever you can do to keep you on track, you know. Is, is is what he's saying. So, whether you can or you can't, whether you think you can or you think you can't, you're right. Right. Um, I know you two are bored with this because ain't y'all like both behavioral scientists? Ain't like this y'all whole life, and y'all like this ain't nothing. Y'all, y'all was giving this book some shade. Yeah, man. Not on purpose. I really I mean, thought that Lenny was going to give me the business in this book because I really was like, oh, okay, yeah, this is kind of the stuff we do already. But, <laughs> you know, I, I did have two takeaways. And it sounds, okay. different. it sounds better coming from somebody else. It's like you can tell your kids the best advice all the time, but they're not going to listen to you because they see you all the time. But if I say the same thing, you know what else? I you know when you think about like rewards, about like he talks about you know having a reward for your behavior. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was thinking like what what is most impactful? Is it rewards or consequences? Like what is most impactful? It, it depends, right? And it's like you know the environment whether it's loving or if it's a a fearful, hostile environment. And it can Mm -hmm. go, you know what I'm saying, either way. You know what I'm saying? If if a person's needs are met, you know, and they feel confident within a space and they respect a certain type of thing, you know, 
consequences and rewards can balance out, right? Mm-hmm. But when those things are out of whack, you know, I don't give a damn. I got to go get it. Ain't nobody else here to help me no other kind of way. You know, yeah. ain't no consequence, ain't no support. I got to go get it or I ain't going to do it because there's no accountability. There's no one to, you know, remind me of. There's no model. So, again, mm-hmm. that environmental play, I think, has a whole lot to do with it, man. Mm-hmm. It you know? does. It does. And I knew I was like when he asked that question, we were both, you know, going in on that and thinking about it because it also depends on that person who was in that situation because you can have four children and two of them respond to consequences and the other two respond to reward. Mm-hmm. And you have to know which child is which when you're dealing with them in, in whatever situation, because I know for me, I don't like for anybody to have to say anything to me. So, mm-hmm. You know, I'm doing everything I can just so that I don't have to hear anything from anyone else. I don't want to I don't want to be punished in any type of way. But, you know, some children, some people only respond to a reward system. And I was also thinking about in one of my takeaways when they were talking about the dopamine and how a lot of the time you are in the anticipation stage of something and the anticipation is much better than the reward. And so I kept playing that in my head over and over. And I kept saying to myself, like, yeah, now I I knew that you would go with that. And I also thought that it was going to bring that up too. So I wasn't going to touch it because I was like, Oh, we'll get through at least one book without you and Lenny talking about sex. So we we didn't quite make it through, but in this particular drive, the discussion, so my example, which has absolutely nothing to do with sex, was sure. about Disney World, because I have been to Disney World so many times and it's like a theme for me. You know, Disney World was opened in 1971, 72. I was born in 1972. I went when it first opened. So I have like this relationship with Disney. I mm-hmm. love Disney World. So when I had children, what did I do? I took them to Disney World all the time. But the what was the earliest age, Teresa, that you took your kids to Disney World? I mean, I say take them at two. I like yeah. two. Yeah. Because, I mean, if you can take them at two and because they understand things, mm-hmm. they might not remember later. But yeah. if you're going to continue to go, it doesn't matter. Yeah. But the smile on their faces. That's because we lived in Orlando and it was convenient. That's not all the way true, but <laughs> whatever. Um when they're two, everything for them is so exciting. And those little smiles and their little hands and feet, everything is really exciting. And actually, when you take them later, you just want to slit your wrist and your throat because that's where I was going with my story, which is the anticipation of going is so much greater than actually being there. Because that's once you're, I mean, getting ready to go, everybody's excited and they're happy and you're packing and you have all these ideas, ideals and dreams about what you're going to do when you get there. And actually, when you get there, it's just a lot of I'm hot. I'm thirsty. <laughs> I'm hungry. When are we leaving? Why is that thing looking at me? This is scary. I don't want to stand in this line. Let's go home. Mm-hmm. I that we are actually hardwired to two-year-old like anticipation more than it's like the real thing. Like I thought that was 
something. I mean, that was something I learned. I, I didn't really know that, but like our brains are literally set up to where we like are supposed to get excited and feel awesome about stuff until it happens, and then it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. that was nice. Yeah, it was all right. No, that, that was that's that was that was nothing but the truth there. I mean, that's and I, I was well. First of all, when you brought up. With the, the kids, Teresa's, when I started thinking about the reward versus consequence, it actually derived from thinking about my children, about what are they, what's they going to respond to the the best. But um, you made a great point about Disney, because I've always been a fan of Disney, too. I think it's one of the most magical places on the planet. It's, it's one of the most magical, but most psychological uh powerful enterprises that that I've I've ever seen to make a grown person that giddy about you know going to a magical place. But, and that's by design. Yeah. And it's very expensive to satisfy that thirst and hunger when you're in the park. Yes. Absolutely. Please don't get <laughs> hungry while you're here. We <laughs> ate before we got here. For a reason. <laughs> you know, with that being said, let's leave out on this. Um, Brad, you're going to go last. And um, Harvey, rate this book one through ten. I'm going to give it a strong eight. Ooh. Just because I'm hating on the author. Oh, the, the author grabs the other two? Now nah, he cool, though. You gotta, when you get the book, you got to sign up for the... Um, for the extra stuff, and um, he can give you the charts. He can give you some downloads. He can give you an email with extra tips. I mean, buddy is all about that life, man. So, mm-hmm. um, but it's it's definitely a good eight book. It's it's a it's a great piece to add to your arsenal. Is is that word hate? Does that equal jealousy? Um, I mean, I mean, not really, but a little bit, maybe. You know. Okay, let's be honest. You know, it is what it is, though. I mean, because you, know, you feel like he? because you know you're smarter than him. Who is he? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> he don't even have PhD behind his name. I mean, I'm just saying. Hey, he, 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 saying who is he's he, on man? TED Talks. All man, who that. cares, bro? Who cares, bro? Who cares, man? <laughs> Go ahead, somebody else, bro. I'm done. It's an eight. It's an eight. It's an eight. It's okay. Eight. Okay. Donovan, rate this book one through ten. Um. I'd probably give it an eight as well. Um, it's an easy Dang. read. What the other two go? Uh, oh well, we all you know, we all got psychology degrees, so we ain't impressed. Like this doesn't impress us. We, I mean, yeah, I don't have a degree, but like he ain't yeah. the source. Yeah, okay. <laughs> nothing but cognitive behavioral therapy. Okay, yeah. But if you do look the in the back of the book, it's a it's a long appendix of where he got all this information from. I mean, mm-hmm. but he didn't take the time too. to put it together. I've written a paper in life before too. He he still ain't impressed me with that, but I do like what he had to say. And um, like I said, I think the book was apropos, especially like since I'm trying to change some stuff in my life right now. So, okay, yeah, mm-hmm. Teresa. Okay, how do I rate this book? First of all, my disclaimer: have to start with a five, simply because it's a self help book. I told you guys, I'm not with the self help. I'm not finished. I started with the five. I, so just because it's a self-help book. Okay, so I'm going to add two because I had two takeaways. So I'm going to give it a strong 
seven and a half. Where the half came from? Just because I enjoyed talking to you all. Oh, <laughs> I could bump it up another half if you promise to actually listen to me when I say these things and not just because it came out of book. So it's I, seven I, and a half I do on listen eight. to you. I take notes when you speak to me. You, it just, it, I just don't change. It just takes a long time I was able to, to get you Jesus. the way I was. If I change, maybe you might leave. That's not true. Maybe you like to fix things. If I'm not broken anymore, then you there's no more project in me. Yeah, what you gonna do? Yeah, what, <laughs> what you gonna, gonna do? do? You gonna find somebody else? I gotta stay broken. Yeah. You don't want no new broke man. Stay with the Duh. one you got. I mean, ain't that smart, but I know a little something. <laughs> Seven yes. and a half. Seven and a half. Okay. And I'm gonna stay broke. Hey, well, I'm gonna give broke in. Okay, I'm gonna stay broken. Yeah, thank you. She's my editor in chief. No, I just want to make sure that we're not saying broke as in money because that's not working. Let me tell you something people who listen to our podcast read books or want to read books and they can put things into context. They knew what I was saying. If they don't, shame on them. I just want to make sure that we put things into perspective. And you know I don't that I don't care. We already the went universe. over that. I don't need anything in the universe coming this way. Okay. Thank you. All right. Are we good? Dear Heavenly Father. Broken. Broken. Abundance. Listen, I like this book. <sighs> the rub with the majority on this podcast is that there's nothing new being introduced. He just took the time to create a syllabus on something that other successful people had been practicing. And he took a little bit of stoism and some other things and compiled it all together and created a whole book program syllabus and a business out of this. He has shit else to do dog. And that's what he did. <laughs> he had a job. And, and he went and he grabbed some, he grabbed some neuroscience and sprinkled that in there to make it sound all fancy. He grabbed some, he he grabbed some stories about the British bike cycling team and to validate it and, and beef it all up. So I appreciate the work that he did. And I appreciate him putting it all together in a book form. With that being said. And got some words, dog. Say again? <laughs> You've been reading, dog. You got some words now, dog. <laughs> I do like, and I do like how he took the butterfly effect and changed it into something else and made it more scientific. Like, you know, you can just make one degree change every day. And by the end of the year, it'll be 37 degree changes. He yeah, 37 he calculated degree changes. The, the, the flight on a, on a plane. Calculated a flight. You're landing Tijuana versus L.A. If you just move the nose of the plane four feet. Right? But anyway, with that being said, I have to respect his grind. I have to respect his hustle. I have to say that he probably lives what he writes. And this is his horse. This is his iron horse. With that being said, I'm going to give this thing a strong nine and a half this is a book that I think uh, coming-of-age uh, kids should read in your early 20s in college, about to graduate college, trying to navigate through college. Read it try, again. Trying to navigate through this world. Read it I again. I still think 
my apex self-help book is always going to be thinking grow rich, but this is a strong number two, number three. Uh, so again, I give it a nine, nine and a half. Brad, this is your book. I heard that you use this book. You have a whole presentation built on this book that you can give off the dome. Rate this book one through ten. I would, I would, I would give it a, I would give it a nine and a half. Okay. I would, I would give it a nine and a half. Um, and I will say. Not often books uh, make me follow up more work on the author, but this one did where, you know, after reading it, and I think it it talks about time, you know, I think the timing of when I read it and then the time of when I was getting more fascinated with how the brain works with, you know, more of not just habit formation, I'm more with decision-making and judgments, but, um, but it made me follow his work more and learn about the, his 80, 20 principles and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but I would definitely give it a nine and a half. Thank you for listening to the bros bookshelf. Click subscribe. Give us a five-star rating. Share with your friends and join us next time. We hadn't picked the book yet for our next book, but I'll let you guys know on Instagram. And if you want to follow us or comment, send me a message on Instagram and we make sure we get back with you. Good night. Red Holmes. <laughs> that was cool, man. Pride. What pride. That, man. that was cool, man. Oh, man. I like that shit, man. You got to give me a one pride. That's that Detroit one pride. One pride. Let's go.